being here this morning. I, I, I know that we're all going to be struggling a little bit to uh, stay awake, and I understand, hey, we, we operate with grace, and so if you fall asleep, I won't hold it against you today. I understand, but I'll try, I'll try to keep your attention. We're starting a, a brand new series this morning, as you can see, uh, that we're calling Just a Matter of Time, and I'm looking forward to this series because, you know, it's been said um, that our time is our most valuable commodity, right? You've heard that before. And if that's true, then it seems like it's really wise for us to ask, hey, how should we be spending our time, right? I mean, if it's our most valuable commodity, how, how should we be spending our time? And so what we're going to do over just two weeks, we're doing like a bookends of spring break. We thought, okay, spring break, that's kind of like take a break from, from our schedules. Well, let's talk about time. And so we're going to, uh, for two weeks, give attention to this topic and to, uh, go to God and through his word, hear what he has to say about how we should use our time. And, you know, whether we recognize it or not, I think that I think that, that could be really helpful for us because uh, whether you are, you know, a follower of Christ or you're just exploring faith or whether you're a student or whether you're a grandparent and everywhere in between, we all receive messages from lots and lots of different people and sources about how we should use our time, don't we? I mean, you've, you've got your boss, you've got your spouse, you've got perhaps kids, you've got coaches, you have professors, you have Netflix recommendations. I mean, just all the time you're receiving messages about how you should use your time, where your time should go. And oftentimes those are competing messages and so you're not exactly sure, I mean, okay, well, should I give my time to this or should I give my time to this? This is happening over here. What, you know, and you just can get so stretched thin, right, and, and so stressed out and, and just, you know, overwhelmed when it comes to the topic of time. I mean, can you all relate to that? Do you feel busy? <laughs> my experience personally and from the conversations I have is that pretty much everybody feels busy, feels a little bit stretched thin or sometimes completely maxed out. And, and like we don't like that. And yet it's weird because in our culture, being busy is seen as, as kind of a, a badge of honor that we wear proudly and yet despise at the same time. Do you feel that? <laughs> right? Like being busy and telling people how busy you are is the modern-day version of Rod Burgundy's quote from Anchorman. I, I'm kind of a big deal. I have many leather-bound books. My office smells of rich mahogany. You, have, you there? You, you, Anchorman fans? Yeah, but that's our subtle way of saying, kind of, you know, socially acceptable way of saying, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm really busy. You know, I, people really want a lot of my time. I have a lot going on. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a big deal. And yet, at the same time, we hate it. <laughs> we hate being so busy. We hate feeling so maxed out and stressed out. And I think one of the reasons why we hate it is because I think we recognize just consciously or subconsciously that the busyness is the enemy to intimacy, right? Busyness is the enemy to intimacy. And that if you just are on the go all the time, one thing after the next thing after the next thing, then it's really hard to have deep, meaningful, rich, lasting relationships, because you're always on the move. You always got stuff going on. The, uh, but in our culture, we, we like to have a lot going on and, 
and we feel like we have to have a lot going on, right? And, and, and the, the, it's like a positive thing about our day and age is that like, we have lots of opportunities of how to spend our time, right? And that could be a good thing, but that can also be this like, really dangerous thing. And so you're always having the next event or the, the next uh, uh, project or the next opportunity to get ahead at work or, or in school, their next class to sign up for, for your kids or for you personally to continue to grow and try to get ahead. Or you have the, I mean, just on and on, so many opportunities. And in the end, I think that we can recognize it's, it's helpful to just pause and think, hey, how do I determine where my time should go? I mean, I got a lot of options. But what's really the wise way to use my time? And so what we're doing in this series is we're taking that question to God, to his word, and and asking him to speak into it. Hey, how should I use my time, God? How should I steward my time? And so what I want us to do, we're going to turn to a passage this morning. But before we do, I want us to, uh, I want to put my finger on one more tension that we often feel in regards to uh, time and really even in regards to going to God with the question about, well, how should I use my time? And that's this tension. Perhaps you feel it even today. And that is, um, if we go to God with the question, God, how should I use my time? We might fear <laughs> that uh, his answer is just going to require more time from us. And if you already feel busy and you already feel stretched thin and maxed out, to go to God and ask God, what, what should I do with time? You might just think, man, well, he's just going to add more expectations to what I should be doing. And I don't know if I can handle another set of lists of things that I ought to be doing with my time. I just don't have any time to begin with. And let me say, if, if you feel that fear when it comes to the idea of, like, let me ask God, to speak into what I should be doing my time. I just want to say, like, I've got good news for you this morning. I've got good news for you this morning. In fact, this is one of the major points that I want you to take away from, from this message. It's this, that if you were to let God direct your schedule, he will always build time in for you to rest. Let me say that again. I think I even have it out here. If you let God direct your schedule, he will always build in time for you to rest. You know that? Is that what you think about when you think about God? Or do you just think that he's like this taskmaster that's going to just require more and more and more from you? Or is this the idea that you have? That if you were to trust God with your schedule, he will always build in time for you to rest. You think, okay, well, man, that sounds nice. I hope that's true. That that's what God's like. But where do you get that from? Now let's look to this passage, right? So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 15. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, we can pull that up or turn there. Um, as you turn there, let me, uh, let me encourage, uh, let me give you some of the context for this because uh, the context has a whole other layer of significance to this passage. And that is that um, this is an excerpt from a message that Moses was given to the nation of Israel right before they were going to enter the promised land. So he's preparing them for this, you know, monumentous thing that they've been waiting for for a long time. And um, and the way to prepare them, he rehearses or he reviews the Ten Commandments. And so this is... This, is a, this passage we're reading is a re, his reiteration of the Ten Commandments. They've been given many years before from Mount Sinai, but to prepare them to go into the Promised Land, he starts reviewing them. And here's, as he does, he gets to the Fourth Commandment, and that's what we're going to look at here. 
starting in verse 12, Deuteronomy 5, he says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that, you, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Now, let me stop there make a couple observations. First of all, I just want to encourage you to let this sink in a little bit. Like this command is a part of the Ten Commandments, you know? Like, between big commands like, uh, don't worship false gods, and don't murder people, like things that we say, okay, these are big deals, is also the command to take a break. It's also the command to, to rest, to uh, every seventh day observe the Sabbath and set it apart as holy, or make, you know, make it holy, which literally means holy means set apart. So Sabbath is just a day that you set apart from working to earn a living. That's what Sabbath is. It's a day that you don't try to get ahead. It's a day when you're not trying to earn a living, that you treat it as holy, you set it apart. And in Scripture, in fact, in the first giving of the Ten Commandments, and we're not going to have time to turn there, but it's interesting, when God gives the reason for that command, it's so that you have time to enjoy your life. That he connects it to his creating all of creation, and then at the end, resting at the end of creation, and that that resting time was for him to actually see that all that he made was good and to enjoy the work of his hands. And he says, for us, we take Sabbath every seven days so that we can, a reason why is to rest and enjoy the work of our hands, to enjoy what God has given us, to enjoy life instead of always just trying to work to build a life. That God says in the commandments, Hey, it's important for you to rest. Now, let me be clear. Um, my purpose in going to this passage is not to say, hey, all of us need to take a, a, a break every seven days and, and observe the Sabbath. The reason that I'm not going to say that is because, and this is interesting, but in all, all of the Ten Commandments in Scripture are, are reiterated in the New Testament except for this one, the observance of the Sabbath day. And the reason why that is, is something I'm going to get to at the end of this message. So you can just hang on to that. But it, it's important for you to hear it. Like, I'm not telling you this because you have to observe this. I'm telling, even though we could say that the, even though it's not a requirement, I think we could all recognize that it's still very relevant instruction for us today. I think we can agree, like, man, taking a break regularly, perhaps even every seven days could be really healthy. But my purpose of going to this passage is not to, to, you know, to talk about what we ought to do. What I want you to see it from is from the lens of what does this say about what God is like? Now think about this, that, that he, when, when he talks to us about our schedules, this is the command that he gives us. Hey, work hard every six days, all, all six days, but here's what's important. I want you to take a break. Every seventh day, I want you to rest. As do you hear this? If you were to hold your schedule with an open hand to God and say, hey, direct 
what I do with my time, he will always build in time for you to rest. And I, I hope that when you hear that, it, it, it helps you connect with the truth that, man, God, he really is a good father. Like, he really is your good father. Cares about you. It's looking out for you. That this idea, like, let it, let it confront the, the misconception that we carry with, with us about God just being this, like, you know, taskmaster in the sky who's trying to use us and get from us all the time. And if we go to him with our schedule, he's going to just try to get you to do more and more and more for him. Like, look at this and realize, man, that's not God's posture here. He's your good father. You go to him with your time, he's going to build in time for you to rest. In fact, this passage every seven days, like it, this just is tip of the iceberg. If you continue to look in the, uh, in the Old Testament, you'll see that it's even more extreme than this. So like, for example, in Leviticus chapter 25, this is wild. Verses 3 to 4, let me read it for you. It says this, For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards, and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. So this, this command, this instruction to the nation of Israel, who was primarily an agrarian culture, God says, hey, here's how I want you to rest. Uh, every seven years, I want you to take the year off. Like, don't sow the fields. Don't sow. Like, don't formally harvest. You'll see if you kept reading that passage. You'll say, don't, don't formally harvest. In fact, just I want you to trust me that I'm going to provide for you enough so that through those six years, at the seventh year, you're going to have enough to just take, take a season of rest. And not just you, but, but your fields, and if you keep reading in, in chapter 25, your animals. God says, I want everybody to rest. Like, Do you know that that's the heart of God? Again, just to continue to come back to you, like if you... <laughs> If you hold your schedule with the open hand of God, he's going to always build in time for you to rest. Now, yeah, these commands are specifically to the nation of Israel, and so I'm not saying that we all should take every seventh year completely off from work, though I wouldn't be against it. And if we want to try to find a way to make that happen, let's do it. But um, the main idea is what this is tells us about what God is like. And guys, this isn't just in the Old Testament. If you go to the New Testament, you see what Jesus says in Matthew 11, famously, he says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble and, uh, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Or in Mark 6, verse 30 and 31, when the apostles had just been sent out by Jesus to do ministry, and they had been working hard, and they come back to him, we read this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Like, can you picture what's going on here? The, the apostles gone out. They're doing all kinds of ministry. They come back to tell Jesus about it. People are continuing to come and, and, and to, to that with needs. They're having not even a chance to take a break to eat. There are just so many people coming and going. And what's Jesus say? hey, man, there's a lot more people that we need to get to. Let's just bucket, you know, buckle up and just keep going. And he says, no, 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 hey, come on. Let's get a rest. Let's take a break. Because this is, this is what God is like. 
And I'll tell you, when, when it comes to just being busy, 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 to know that this is what God prioritizes, and that's, that is refreshing to me. Man, I hope that it is refreshing to you. Over and over again, we see the priority God places on rest. Okay, now, this priority that he places on rest, it, it, it does kind of beg the question, why is rest such a big deal to God, right? I mean, why would he prioritize it to the, to the degree that he, that he does? And so let's go back to the Deuteronomy 5 passage because the verse that I stopped at, it, it talks about one of the main reasons why rest is such a, a priority to God that we would build in, that we would allow him to build in to our schedule. And so it says this in verse 15. It says, uh, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay, do you see the purpose that he gives for rest here? Now, I want, before we get into it, like I want to remind you, like he, back in, in, in uh, Exodus, he had given another purpose. And that is, like I said earlier, to enjoy the, the, the work of your hands, to enjoy the living. Take a break. Instead of just trying to earn a living, enjoy your life. But here he gives another purpose for rest, and that is that we would rest to remember. That we would rest to remember. That a part of our resting, that a portion of our resting, is to be set aside for the purpose of remembering. And specifically, as you see here, that we would be remembering what God is like and who we are as a result. And guys, let me tell you, remembering is such a major theme in Scripture. Like we talk about it, I feel like we talk about it quite a bit here because it shows up in Scripture again and again and again. From, from Genesis to Revelation, God's people are always being called to remember. One of my favorite uh, books is the book Sacred Romance by Brent Curtis and John Eldridge. And in it, there's a quote that stuck with me. It says that the most crippling thing that besets the pilgrim's heart is simply forgetfulness. Or more accurately, the failure to remember. The spiritual amnesia is so likely that from Genesis to Revelation, the scriptures are full of the call to remember. And that God places such a value on remembering that he would call us to prioritize rest so that we would have time to slow down and reflect and remember. Because let me ask, do you have time that you regularly stop in the hustle and bustle of life to remember and to reflect? And really just to remember and reflect on anything. Like, like, wait, what happened on Monday? Like, I can't even remember what happened last month. Like, but like just to remember, to reflect. Do you, do you take time to do that? And God says, man, that's so important. And it's one of the reasons he wants us to allow him to build rest into our schedule. Now, he specifically has things here that he would call uh, his followers to remember. Like I said earlier, it, it kind of broad category here. It would be to remember who he is and to remember who we are. For example, go back to that passage. He says, okay, I want you to re remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that your Lord, your God, brought you out of there 
with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Now listen to this language about who God is. That he not only uh, you know, has uh, uh, held us in his hands, but he, he reached out for us. Like there's significance that he couldn't, got, couldn't uh, you know, the, the, the passage just say, you know, he, he, he saved us with his mighty hand. But like this imagery of the outstretched arm. Moses is saying, hey, take time to remember that God came after you. That this is the character of God. That he and his relentless love for you pursued you, reached out for you when you were far from him. And that with his mighty hand, he has brought you close to him. Even though we had sinned and we had walked away like every sheep, like turning to go our own way, and yet he comes after us. And this is who God is. This is what he's done. This is how he loves us. As when do you take the time to remember who he is? And then also that we would reflect on who we are as a result. Again, in this passage, it's, you remember, he says, remember when you were slaves in Egypt, which is who they once were before God reached out to save the nation of Israel. And then after saving them, God tells the nation of Israel that now they're his chosen people, a royal priesthood, that God's people in which he's going to communicate to the rest of the nations who he is, what he is like, and how to properly relate to him. That they, have a, they are brand new people, no longer slaves, but the children of God. And guys, in the New Testament, we see the same messaging. That we, before faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins, were slaves to unrighteousness and dead in our trespasses. But believers in Christ, we're told, 1 Peter chapter 2, that because of Jesus, we are now a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And guys, when we take time to rest, we rest in part to remember that we are no longer who we used to be, but we're someone someone so much more. That we, we, It's your chance to recalibrate. Say, okay, here's who I once was. But here's who I am now because of who God is and what he has done. And friends, I, I don't know about you. I have, I have an assumption <laughs> is that you're somewhat like me and that I need to be reminded of those truths. That I can go through life, I can go day after day and forget who I really am according to God. And I can forget how God has loved me. But if I allow God to build in time for rest in my, my calendar, then I will have the opportunity to rest for the purpose of remembering and reflecting. And that is one of the most powerful ways we see in Scripture to help us look out for what's going on in our heart and to help us live well, live in light of who we really are. In fact, in the chapter right before Deuteronomy 5 and Deuteronomy 4 verse 9, the nation of Israel was given this warning. It says, uh, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen 
or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And guys, that kind of call throughout Scripture, guard your heart, look out for your heart, watch out, don't forget what you've seen. Like those kind of calls are, are just show up again and again and again because what? That's the, that quote from Sacred Romance, we have this spiritual amnesia. And we will forget and we will wander off. And God says, no, 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 hey, let me build rest. <laughs> let me build rest into your schedule. One, so you can enjoy the life, your life, instead of always just trying to get ahead and earn a living. But also so that you can take time to remember and to reflect on who I am and what I've done. Um. To help you all just, you know, make this a little bit more specific, let me give you some, some example of questions that I like to ask when it comes to the time of, of reflection and rest for me. And like, I want to I be honest with you. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm preaching all week long. This, this, I felt like this is one of those sermons that was, that was probably more for me than it was for y'all. Hopefully you'll get a lot out of it too. But, like, man, I, I got a lot. Like, I, I'm not nailing this. I mean, I'm, I can stay uh, way too busy and, and not allow God to build in time for rest of my schedule. But I have this year, I kind of set the goal to start journaling more often. And what I try to do is on my day off to take some time when I'm resting on that day and to, and to spend at least a little time journaling, just remembering what took place over this last week and uh, remembering this kind of these things that I've been talking about here. And I use some questions, and I want to just give them to you There's, uh, to help you reflect in light of who you are and who God is. The first is this set of questions, kind of this umbrella question is, what am I living for? Of course, this question has to do with purpose, right? And so I think, okay, what am I living for? In fact, if you're a Christian, I think it's great to ask, did anything in my life this week further the knowledge of God's glory? You know, key verse for us as a church, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we think, okay, am I being, am I, did this last week, was there anything that I did in my schedule, in my time, in my, my conversations that participated in the spreading of the knowledge of the glory of God. Or you think about 2 Corinthians 5, that part of who we are is that we're ambassadors of Christ. And so I ask the question, did, did I live as an ambassador of Jesus this week? Did I represent Jesus? Did I speak about Jesus at all this week? Did I live in light of who I am? Uh, so did I, uh, did I participate with what God is doing in the world, or was I just caught up in my own little world this week? Was I just living for a paycheck or an A in that class or the weekend? <laughs> or was I living for something greater and more eternally significant? And what am I living for? That's, those are helpful questions for me to reflect on how I'm living in light of who God is and who I am in him. Or another set of questions I like to ask is this, how am I relating to others? That's kind of the big umbrella question. How am I relating to others? You can ask this question to help you think through, you know, of course, your relationships. So, like, husbands, you can think, hey, what did, what, what did you say or do that made your wife feel loved and cherished this week? Wives, you can ask, hey, did, what, what did you do or say that made your husband feel helped and honored, loved this week? Parents, you can ask, hey, did I, did I do anything to actually engage my child's heart this week, or did I just instruct them what they should do or not do? 
Or parents, another great question to ask is, did, did I do anything this week that made Jesus attractive to my kids? Or did I do anything this week that, that helped my kids see how significant or how important Jesus is to me? You know, if you live with roommates or you think about your boss or your coworkers, you can ask questions like, okay, did, was I seeking to be served this week or did I look to serve others this week? Did the people that were around me this week, were they built up and encouraged and pointed towards Christ, or, or did I just put up with them? You know, this is times where I sometimes will ask the questions on, uh, you know, the, the popular question, hey, what, what do you want your obituary to say, right? What do I want those close to me to say at my funeral? And I, I ask the question, hey, if I lived the rest of my days like I lived last week, would they actually say those things? Now, how am I relating? So this is a chance when you rest that to build in time to reflect and ask these kind of questions of yourself. Because when else are you going to? Last set of questions I ask has to do with how I am relating to God. Like, am I living in light of his reality and his love displayed in the gospel? Does the joy and peace in, in my life reflect trust in his love and his care and his control? I, did I seek to stay in step with the Spirit this week, or was I just trying to live out of my own fleshly power? Did I obey Him this week, or is there sin in my life that I need to confess? And just try to reflect on that. Did I enjoy Him this week? Did I enjoy His presence this week? And is there something that He has been saying to me or showing me that I need to act on or do something about? See, guys, when we build in time to rest, we can slow down enough to reflect on how we're living. And we need that. God knows that we need that. Because we can start off headed in the right direction. And with great intentions, we think that we're walking the, the straight path that God is calling us into. But if you don't take time to regularly just stop and assess where you are, then it's so easy as time progresses for you to get so off track. So God says, hey, prioritize rest. Hey, let me build rest into your schedule so that you can enjoy life and so that you can assess to make sure you're living life well in light of who I am, and in light of who you are. Um, again, I, I don't nail this personally. I'm not, uh, like, awesome at this. But, but one thing that uh, I will say, Krista and I, by the grace of God, we for 10 years have had as a couple of some of this rhythm with us. In fact, if, if you were to come by our house on Monday night, almost, you know, about 95% of Monday nights, uh, you will find us out on our porch or out in front of our outdoor fireplace, uh, sitting there after the kids have gone to bed and just talking about these kind of questions with one another. And we use this time to personally reflect and to remember and to check in on how we're doing. And we use that time also to schedule. And we open up our calendar and we seek to schedule our time in light of who we are in Christ. 
so that our priorities and where our time goes would line up with who we are. And like that's just been such a beneficial practice for us over the last 10 years. In fact, when, when we do premarital counseling or if a couple asks us about you know, any marriage advice, we, we are quick to say uh, regular date nights and our, and our weekly rhythm of porch nights are the two most healthy things that we have going on in our marriage. And they, they, we just swear by them. It's, it's, guys, it's as if God knows what he's talking about when he says it's healthy to build in time to rest so you have time to reflect and to remember. Guys, I just want to encourage you to do that. But let me say one more thing before we close, and that is if, if, if you missed this last point, that time of reflection it might not, and it probably will not, feel very restful. Because I'll tell you, when, when I reflect on those kind of questions, I often, and like often I mean pretty much every time, feel like a complete failure. <laughs> because I'm not nailing those things. And if you, perhaps even just hearing some of those questions, are feeling like really weighed down and like, oh man, I'm just, I feel ashamed or guilty. I'm not living this, you know, in light of who God is and what he's done for me and who I am as a result. Like, he, he, we need to hear this, this last point, because if we, if we get this, then we can ask those reflection questions and still not only rest, but actually it move us to worship. And that's this, this point, that not only does God prioritize rest, but, but God is the person of rest. Specifically, God the Son, Jesus, is the person of rest. And that because of Jesus, we can reflect on our lives and not feel burdened and weighed down and like a failure. But we can find rest. Our soul can find rest, even when we're messing up. Like, hear this. This is a wild truth. But like if you, if you left this day and you decided, okay, I'm going to try to like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect on who God is and, and who I am. And so I'm going to live in light of these truths this week. And you nailed it. Everything you did this week, I mean, you, just, you just nailed it. Jesus would not love you any more than he does right now. And if you left right now and you went out this week with best intentions and you blew it worse than you have ever blown it before. Jesus would not love you any less than he does right now. Because that's the grace of Jesus. See, because God does not relate to us based on what we do for him, but based on what Jesus has done for us. And that's why, as Hebrews 4 would talk about, Jesus is where we find true Sabbath rest. That because of Jesus... We can walk and live in Sabbath all the time, resting from having to work to earn our way into God's grace, which we can never do. But because of Jesus, we can come to him. And as he says in verse 11, all of you who are weary, in, in Matthew 11, burden, and I will give you, I will give you rest. I will give you rest to your soul. Because Jesus is where true rest is found. And when you get that, 
then it allows you to take time to reflect on how you're living and not be weighed down by guilt, but to rest in him and his righteousness and then be compelled by his love to seek to, in this next week, go with him to live in a way that honors him. And if you, if you fail, then you rejoice in his grace and you let his grace compel you this, this next week to seek to go obey him that week. And you rinse and repeat Resting in the grace of God, it gives you the ability to reflect restfully and to live a life that's in line with who God is and who you are in him. As Jesus is the person of rest. See, God prioritizes rest. He has a purpose for rest that we would enjoy our life, but also that we would take time to evaluate our life. And then he's the one who provides the ultimate rest for our souls. So this week, here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to encourage you with. Could you take time this week? Would you allow God to build in some rest into your schedule? I mean, it's spring break, right? So we should be all taking a break anyways. So just take some time to allow God to build it. And I don't know what that will look like. It might be a whole day. It might be just a couple hours. You, you talk to God about that. But you, try, you say, God, I want to like, hold my schedule with an open hand. Build in rest this week. You find time, and then a portion of that time, it doesn't have to be the whole time, but a portion of that rest time, I encourage you to set time aside to remember and reflect. To remember who he is and reflect on who you are as a result and to evaluate, are you living in light of that? Could you do that this week? Can we all try to do that? It's like, okay, pastor said take a break, right? So we can try to do that, all right? Okay. Well, we're going to end the message uh, by uh, reflecting on what I was just talking about, that Jesus is the true provider of rest. And we do that by taking uh, communion. We do that each week. But this, this week, it, it, it just really makes sense to take communion with, with the fact that, one, we take communion because, as Jesus said, we do it in remembrance of him. And so that we would take time to remember that this is one of those things that God builds into our schedules, that we would regularly remember who he is and what he's done for us. And so we take the bread and we remember Jesus' body broken for us. And we take the juice and remember Jesus' blood spilled for us, that we would be reconciled to God, that our sins would be forgiven, that we could be brought near to God. When we take communion, guys, we remember the outstretched arm of God and the mighty hand of God pierced with the nails so that we could be redeemed and brought near. Guys, we take communion to remember who God is. And guys, as we remember, as we take communion, I encourage you to allow this to reinforce trust in your good God. That you would trust him enough to even trust him with your schedule, with your calendar, so that he can build in some rest that you'd have time to remember and reflect. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this truth. Thank you that this is who you are. Or that you would build in time for us to rest, and that you would... Uh, Lord, want us to have time to, re to reflect on who you are and who we are as a result of your sa saving work. And God, I pray that you would help us put this into practice, that even this week each one of us would take time to rest, and Lord, to, re to rest, to remember, and reflect. And Lord, that you'd help us with confidence and courage to evaluate our lives if we're living in light of who you are and who we are in you. 
And Lord, that we could courageously evaluate that, knowing that, uh, Lord, if we're out of line, um, or we still can be at rest because Christ paid for our sins and our trespasses. And Lord, that we are in his righteousness. And so, Lord, we can rest in him and seek to realign by your power. God, we thank you for uh, Christ's death for us. May you be honored as we remember that now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As the communion table is open for anyone who's placed their faith in Christ, and come and get it here or in the back. And if you've never placed your faith in Christ, then we encourage you to even use this time to consider what we've been talking about, that Jesus loves you this much to die for you. And perhaps even now, put your trust in Christ alone for forgiveness of your sins. Thank you.